morning. You notice we're running a little ahead of schedule, and that's because we are going. Oh, we're going to have communion uh, in a little bit later on the service. So uh, once our, our kids and youth have gone off and had a brilliant time, we're all going to come back together after our sermon, and we're going to uh, share around the Lord's table, which is absolutely brilliant. So uh, on that note, I think we better send our kids and our youth to the distant corners of the school site. No further. So uh, if you are in kids or youth, or if you're one of the leaders, uh, some of you are still registering kids outside, if you want to jump up, that's it. Thank you, guys. We've got four groups going this morning. We've got nursery up and running. We've got preschool and elementary. We've got younger youth, and we've got older youth. So let's pray for those guys as they go. Uh, Father, would you bless them and use them, and uh, would you speak through their leaders uh, about your kingdom today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give them a little round of applause what as they go. What we all really need right now is an upbeat song to sing, an upbeat song to sing. It feels good when we're together. There you go. I think we all need a theme tune. Every different group in the church needs some sort of theme song. So if you'd like a theme song for your community group or for your prayer team or anything else, feel free to apply to Ben, and Ben will sort you out with a theme song. How about that? <laughs> Um, it's, it's really good to welcome you, and I particularly want to welcome you uh, if you are new or you're just visiting us today for the first time. My name's Ben, I'm uh, the pastor here, and uh, we're really grateful that you've come to join us. We are still a relatively new church here in Pasadena, and uh, we're really, really glad that you've uh, come to spend some time with us. This morning, uh, we're going to uh, hear from the Word of God, God together from the book of Acts, and then, as I said a minute ago, we're going to share communion together, and then we'll have more time to sing, to respond, to worship, to listen to the voice of the Lord together. And so we're super glad that you're here. And if you are here um, for the first time or one of the first times, just would love to connect with you. One of our values is that we're a loving community that feels like family. So on the screen, you'll see some different ways that you can connect into the life of a community. Uh, the top three on the left are all, you know, social media things, but maybe even more importantly than that is that if you uh, are here this morning, you may have been given a welcome card, a connect card, and if you're online, you can go through to vintagepasadena.com and there's a connect tab, and we would just love you if you're brave enough to, to fill in your details. If you're here, the good news is you actually get a little free nice gift. Uh, if you're online, you might have to drop us an email and we'll send Carl around uh, with your nice free gift, assuming you don't live in Arkansas or something like that. That might be a bit far. Um, but we'd, we'd just love to get to know you. And we have a little phrase around here, which is to stick six, because we really believe that local church is God's hope for the world. And we want to help you to find a local church where you can be part of the family there. And so we always say, if this is just your first Sunday, why not stick around for six weeks, find out, meet people, get to know what's going on. And then after six weeks, if you decide this is the place for you, then that's absolutely fantastic. And if you decide it's not the place for you, then we will cry and be very sad and then suggest some other fantastic churches uh, in this local area that we love and think are wonderful as well. So we'd love to, we'd love to connect with you though this morning. Um, brilliant. I just have a few things as well that I, I'd love to tell you about uh, today. Um, the first is, and I mentioned this last week, but we're in a season where we're birthing new community groups. In fact, uh, this week and last week, we've birthed three new community groups, which is absolutely awesome. And if you don't know what a community group is, it's basically this. You go once a week, um, almost all of them are in person now, one is on Zoom. You go to some wonderful person's house. Uh, Maybe people who look a little like the ones on the screen. Just a little before we, air, we airbrushed them a little bit to help you. Not really. 
especially the people in the bottom right corner. They needed a lot of airbrushing. <laughs> These are our community group leaders for this uh, fall. They will be running groups, uh, almost all of them are once a week. They meet on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, different groups on different nights. Some of them meet together for dinner. All of them meet together to pray, to hang out, to do life together, to study the Bible together, and think about you know, the wider world around them together. And uh, we have a vision, which is just simply this. If you're part of Vintage, we would love you to be in a community group, because this is how we do family life together every single week. And so um, if uh, you didn't see that slide out in the courtyard, those same beautiful pictures are out in the courtyard. Oh, look, they're all there again. Look at that. Uh, and we would love you to just go and see, uh, see those pictures. And there's some information on the community groups table out in the courtyard after the service. And I want to give you permission, if you want to, to go and visit one of these community groups. You don't have to sign up forever. If you go to one of these community groups, particularly the one with Ben and Laura Chase against it, and you decide it is just weird, and the leaders are odd, and you get there and you think, I'm not coming back here again, I just give you full permission to go and visit another community group next week. It's okay, and the leaders won't be offended either if you do that, um, because we want to just help you find a place that's going to be good community. So uh, more information is also available on the Vintage website, so go along to vintagepasadena.com forward slash community groups, and you'll also find out more information about community groups, but please do take an opportunity, join one over the fall and see what it's like. I think you will be pleasantly surprised if you have not been part of one before. Uh, this week uh, is also another really big week for something else. Uh, if you've been around for a while, you will have heard about Alpha. Uh, we talk about Alpha a lot. Alpha is uh, not really just a newcomer's class for us, but it's a place, a safe place to explore faith. Might be uh, that you've never uh, explored faith before, you've never been involved in Christian community, wouldn't call yourself a Christian, in which case Alpha is for you. But equally, it might be that you have been around uh, faith for a long time, but you have some big questions, some really significant questions about what's real and what's not real and doubts and fears and all sorts of things. And Alpha is just a space to come and explore those. And uh, it launches this week. It's uh, up here on uh, September 21st. And we would love to invite you just to come to the launch, which is this Tuesday night. Uh, Laura and I are hosting it at our house. There'll be dinner. It'll be a really lovely time. But we would love you to come. And not only would we love you to come, but we'd love you to be super brave if you feel you can and invite a friend to come with you. Now, through the medium of modern technology, we actually sent you a text uh, three minutes ago. If you are part of this church, you can check your phone. It's not magic. It just was a text. Um, but the text is a text which says this, uh, hey, this is and your name, we're having a launch party on Tuesday night for our church's Alpha series at 7 p.m. Would you like to join me? Dinner's included, and you can check out the details here with a little link. And here's my little uh, invitation to you is, how about forward that text on to somebody today? How about take that text message and send it to a coworker or a friend or a family member and just to bring them along on Tuesday night for dinner. That's what we would love you to do. You don't have to bring them along for eight weeks. You don't have to come for eight weeks. You only have to come to the first one. And if they like it, they may find they want to come back for week two and week three and all the other weeks that come along. But we would love you to invite you to come on Tuesday night. That would be um, absolutely fantastic. Whew. Okay, just one more announcement. Um, and that is once a month, uh, we uh, love to gather together as church for a day in different ways to pray. We believe that prayer changes things. Prayer is not just for our own 
benefit, but actually the world changes when people pray. And so this Thursday, we're going to have a day together of prayer and fasting. We do it once a month. Uh, the details are up on the screen at 9 o'clock in the morning on Thursday morning. If you are free, come and join us. We'll be literally outside this door here, and we will just pray together for half an hour. We'd love you to come and join us at 9 o'clock on Thursday morning. Um, if you can't make that, and I appreciate on a Thursday, lots of you have other commitments, uh, at 12 p.m., you can join us via Zoom. Again, just for 30 minutes during your lunch break, come and pray. We'll pray for the church, pray for the city, pray for the world, pray for Alpha particularly. So do join us for one of those two ways. And if you'd like to fast as well, we will, the leadership team will all be fasting together on Thursday. So that's our plan. Wonderful. Okay. I think those are the announcements for this morning. We would love to invite you just to turn for two minutes. And, uh, and just share the peace of the Lord with each other. But uh, as you do that, we're also going to take up our offering this morning. Details will be up on the screen if you're just visiting past this moment past. But if you would like to uh, give by way of your worship into the local church, which goes on to support projects all over this area and the life of the church, then you can give to the different ways on the screen. But if not, feel free to just turn to someone next to you and say good morning to them before we come to God's word. How you doing, man? Okay, we talk this week. This is the word here in the flesh, living among the meek and lowly. The voice of God is every breath. Salvation. Brilliant. So uh, we were clearing out the container out the back here at Hamilton Elementary a few weeks ago. 
Um, it's a place where we store a lot of our stuff here for Sunday services. And I found uh, one of these bad boys. Um, does anyone else have one of these still lurking around in their houses? Irene Wobborn's got one. Yes, Jeff and Linda have got one. I found this one, it's brand new. I feel like if I hold on to it for long enough, it might one day be worth some money on eBay. It's probably optimistic thinking, but if you can't read it or if you're listening on the podcast, it says Vintage Church Pasadena launching January 2020. And um, we got these t-shirts printed in 2019, obviously, uh, and we used them for a bunch of launch events that we were doing. We held worship nights, we had some prayer evenings, we had some social evenings at different people's houses. And we wanted to tell people about this thing called Vintage Pasadena that was launching uh, soon. And uh, when we had these events, we actually had Q&A a bunch of the events. And um, I answered some really interesting questions at the end of 2019. Uh, some people said, what on earth is the name vintage got to do with the word church? Like, what are those things? And if you're still wondering the answer to that question you don't know, feel free to buy me a coffee and I'll try and answer that question. <laughs> I'll try. It'll cost you a coffee. Um, some, some people said, what is wrong with your accent? Where are you from? Are you from Australia? Which still happens all the time. Uh, other people said, why are you here? Um, this is still another good question. <laughs> well, one, one person got up in one of the Q&A sessions, and they, they scared me a lot because they asked me a theological question. And this person got up and they said, um, Ben, is there a particular Bible passage which speaks to what you feel that Vintage Pasadena is called to be, so the kind of church that you're called to be. And uh, if you are a pastor, you'll know that you, know, you never want somebody to ask you a theological question in a Q&A session that you've not prepared for. Um, but they did. And so I slightly panicked for a moment, and then I thought, and I thought, actually, no, there is a Bible passage. There is absolutely a particular Bible passage which is not only at the heart of everything we feel called to be and to do as Vintage Pasadena, but it's actually at the very heart of our calling as uh, a ministry, as Laura and I minister together. Everything at the heart of what, who I feel called to be, everything which really speaks to why I, in the end, was happy to leave behind a business career and get paid to come and work in, in churches. And, and this particular Bible passage is, I think, it is a vision for the local church. When we say, like, the local church is the hope for the world, and we believe that, one of the reasons we say that is because contained in this little passage that we're going to look at this morning is this beautiful mandate, a vision for what church is supposed to look like. And it is actually a description of the first ever church. A church before there were buildings, a church before there were denominations, a church even before the first committee existed. Uh, way back 2,000 years ago is a beautiful description. And uh, on the 23rd of January, 2020, I got up, stood exactly here on the first Sunday that we ever had together as Vintage Pasadena, and I just outlined from this passage a vision for what a local church could look like here. And uh, I still today, despite the few things that have happened in the world over the last two years that make the world a little bit different than they did uh, back then, believe that this is a beautiful picture for what our church could look like. And this morning I wanted to share it with you from, and we're going to have our reading today, which comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. So if you've got your Bibles, and I always encourage you, bring a Bible, especially a paper one, uh, if you have one. Uh, come and bring that, and we're going to read it together. Uh, and we've got our reading, which is on the screens now. Oh, it'll only work if you can lip read. 
Today's reading comes from Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So uh, across all the different vintage churches, we speak about four values. Uh, there are four beautiful values of what a church could be, and they come uh, not at least in part from this passage of Scripture. The four values that we have as Vintage Pasadena is that we long to be a church that is word and spirit, that has intimacy with God, that is a deep community that feels like family, and that it's a church that is on loving mission together with God. Uh, and so this morning, I always want to take a little bit of time uh, from this passage to look at those four things with you and to hopefully inspire you and encourage you in your ministries, in your lives, to hold to these beautiful things for a vision for the local church. So if you know a little bit of uh, New Testament theology, if you know a little bit of New Testament history, you'll know that the New Testament uh, bit after the Gospels starts in the book of Acts with this small group of people, around 100 people, Scared, waiting in Jerusalem as they've been instructed to with Jesus, waiting for something to happen. And something big happens. A hundred people quickly transform into a global religion, which today has three billion people involved in it around the world. Like, how did that happen? What happened to transform the situation? Well, we read at the beginning of Acts chapter 2 exactly what happened in the first church before anything else is that the Holy Spirit came. If you know about Pentecost, you'll know in the beginning of Acts chapter 2 that this little group of people, as they wait, as they pray, as they hope for this someone to come to help them, the advocate who Jesus promised, suddenly, like, the Holy Spirit comes in power, like a rushing wind into the building where they are waiting, and tongues of fire, like tongues of fire, come down on these people. And as it comes down on, suddenly these people are absolutely transformed. Not only are they able to speak in languages, like physical languages, that they didn't already have, but they're also given abilities, spiritual gifts, to go out and communicate the good news of Jesus. If you know about, um, you know about Peter, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, because he just like, always says the wrong thing. He's like that guy, every situation, says something not appropriate, no filter, hashtag no filter, basically is what he is, right? And, and Peter, who usually says exactly the wrong thing, suddenly is full of the Holy Spirit, and he goes out into Jerusalem and starts to preach the good news of Jesus. But somehow he goes from the guy who always says the wrong thing to the guy who knows exactly what to say. And it says in verse 14 that when Peter starts to speak the good news of Jesus, what happens is 3,000 people give their life to Jesus. I don't know the last time that you went out on the street corner in Pasadena, started a little bit of street preaching, uh, maybe never. And, but if you did, I don't know how many people gave their life to Christ there and then. I don't know if it was 3,000. 
Maybe, maybe just slightly less. I don't know. But Peter speaks the good news of Jesus. 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus. And suddenly this spirit-filled community is birthed on the earth. And so when you read the first description of the first ever church in verse 43, which Gina just read, it says this. Everybody was filled, and I guess the everybody is everybody, was filled. The city was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The first church, one of the things that marked them out above everything else is that they were a miraculous community. When the first church gathered together, miracles happened, healings happened, people were transformed, spiritual gifts were released in that community. The world was transformed by this miraculous, powerful community. Things happened in the first church that could not be explained in, every, in any other way. That's why when the world looked at the church, they were like, man, we are full of awe because things are happening in the local church. When the Holy Spirit gets involved in a powerful way in a community, the world around it takes note and watches what's going on. But when you like, hear the name Holy Spirit, um, I, don't know what, I don't know what comes to your mind. Um, for some of us, we're like, bring on the good stuff. Like, I came here for the good stuff. Like, Ben, it's like, just give me a fire tunnel, and I'm, like, I'm off the stage, and I'm, I'm away. Um, you know, some of us are like, prophetic workshop, I'm, I'm like the dude for the prophetic workshop. Some of us, if we're honest, probably feel like our faith over many years has been a little bit more father, son, and holy book, or holy something else, rather than holy spirit. And I guess others, if we're really honest, have probably a bit scared, a bit freaked out, by some of the things that we have seen called the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've watched things on TV or you've been particular churches or conferences and you've, you've witnessed things and you're like, what is that? Like, that is scary. And if you feel like that, I, I want to have some empathy with you. Uh, I remember, I think probably about 12 years old, uh, going on my first ever youth camp. Now, youth camps was living in England at that time, a little bit different from Californian youth camps. Californian youth camps, like mountains, rivers, lakes, canyoneering, wonderful, beautiful things. Youth camps in England, cold, wet, damp, moldy church hall uh, in the back of some sort of like housing area. That's what it was like. Um, but I remember like my, my friends and I, we went with our leader and we drove to this youth camp and I just remember my friend being violently ill all over the car on the way there. Uh, and we finally got there and we thought, what is this thing gonna be like? And it was about the time in the, the church globally when the Holy Spirit was really moving. Some of you know about the Toronto blessings. And across England, across a lot of Europe and North America as well, the Holy Spirit was like really moving powerfully. And, and sure enough, we arrived at this, this disgusting, horrible old little church hall, and we put our bags onto our bunk beds, and we, we went to the first meeting of the evening. And before like, anybody had picked up a guitar, before anyone had got up to speak, suddenly the Holy Spirit just started to move in the room. Like People started laughing. People started crying. Some people started making really strange noises. Other people just took a little nap on the floor uh, very suddenly as the Holy Spirit came upon them. Now, it, was, it was, to a 12-year-old boy, absolutely one of the scariest things I've ever seen in my life. Like, I was completely freaked out. I thought, what is this Holy Spirit stuff? This is like some sort of like, possession thing going on. And no one was there to explain anything because the leaders were all lying on the floor at the time or whatever they were doing. And, and I was just completely, completely scared out of my brains. 
In fact, for two years, I didn't want to have any conversation about the Holy Spirit at all. Whenever anyone asked me about the Holy Spirit, I just like literally ran. I did not want to talk about the Holy Spirit at all. If I thought, if this is what Christian faith is like, this is nothing like the word searches and the coloring in that I grew up with in my Sunday classes. This is what I thought church was like. But through my teenage years, through some wonderful friends, some wonderful family members, they started to introduce me to the person of the Holy Spirit. God himself, his presence, that when God is involved in our lives, that actually there is times when God will want to release things. There are times, been many times in my life when in a place of worship or in a place of meeting or in, even on the top of a mountainside when God's spirit has just moved inside me, when I have been overwhelmed, overwhelmed by joy, overwhelmed by tears of love, overwhelmed by peace. Uh, when I've heard God speak in profound ways, there's been times when it's been hugely emotional. There've been plenty of other times when I've stood in front of a room of, and stood in a room of 5,000 people and everyone else has been crying and I've just been standing there going, I don't feel anything. But what I came to realize, particularly through those years, is that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not primarily about what it looks like in the moment. What God chooses to do and how he chooses to do it in big gatherings or on top of mountains, whatever it means, that isn't the most important thing. The most important thing that the Holy Spirit does is to transform lives so that it changes how you are when you leave the meeting. Right? Sometimes the Holy Spirit will come and it will be deeply profound. It will be deeply impactful. It will be deeply emotional. Other times it will be so quiet that you'll barely even notice that anything is happening. But you know when you leave that your life has been transformed. When the Holy Spirit gets involved in a community, healings start to happen. Lives are transformed. God sometimes releases things like spiritual gifts in a moment which can transform lives. And my life has been transformed multiple times in those kind of, me in those kind of meetings. And that's why when Paul says in Ephesians 5, he says, go on being filled with the Spirit. I want to be someone who is filled by the Spirit all the time, as much as I can, everything I get. A bit like, you know, a car needs gas. You and I need the Holy Spirit. If we're going to have any impact on the world around us, if our lives are going to be transformed, we need the Holy Spirit. Now, if, if that slightly scares you and you're like, I don't think I want to be part of a church which, you know, does all weird things in the Holy Spirit, is it going to be one of those churches which is all hyped up? Um, I can promise you there is nobody less likely to hype up any emotional thing than an English man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Just don't quite have the emotional capacity for that. <laughs> we want to be a community that's as natural and as normal as possible. But when we meet, we want to see things change. You know, we want the Holy Spirit to move. So the first community were spirit-led, but they were also absolutely word-centered. They were word-centered. They were founded and rooted and centered all around the Bible. Um, in verse 42, uh, it says of this community that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Like, I, I wonder what you sort of would picture of a community that suddenly is full of the Holy Spirit. I, I sort of have this picture in my mind of all these, like, first apostles going around a bit like Ghostbusters around like Jerusalem, like seeing people cut demons cast out of people and seeing healings happened. Well, actually, it says of them that they started a school. The first community started a school. On day one, there were 3,000 people in kindergarten who'd just given their lives to Jesus. It says in verse 42 that they, they were a teaching community. Now, when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, it doesn't mean like 
oh, they were like the cult of personality of the first apostles who were somehow better than everyone else. But the word apostle there actually means like witnesses. So the apostles were the first people who witnessed what Christ had said and what Christ had done. So what, was, what did they teach in their first school? They taught Jesus. They taught the gospel. What did they teach to new believers? They taught who Jesus was, what he had done. I'm sure in that school they also told things about the Old Testament. They also had things learning together as, a, as an Old Testament and a New Testament community. But they were transformed as they learned. They weren't anti-intellectual. They weren't just, let's go around and just minister in magic of the Holy Spirit. No, they were a community that learned together really well. And, and I am long that we as a church would also be a community that takes the Bible really seriously. Like it, it kind of saddens me sometimes that sometimes I meet Christians and they're like, man, we are all about the Holy Spirit. And then we sort of, sort of think about the Bible in kind of gentle terms. Or I meet other Christians who are like, man, we are all about the Bible and then don't necessarily really want to push deep into the Holy Spirit. But this first community, they were both spirit-filled and word-centered to the absolute top degree. Now, don't get me wrong, that is challenging. I mean, the Bible is challenging. If, if you read the Bible, and I hope you do, and it doesn't challenge what you think about money or relationships or the poor or everything else in your life, then I want to suggest that maybe you haven't quite read all of the Bible yet. The Bible is challenging. And, and we live in a culture increasingly, a world increasingly, which doesn't like some of the things that the Bible says because the Bible is countercultural in the way it talks about many, many issues. But we don't want to shy from those things at Vintage. We want to push into them. And now sometimes we might not even agree on everything that is inside the Bible exactly. We might like, have slightly different translations of certain tiny bits. And that's okay. You might even walk away from a sermon on a Sunday morning and think, I loved what he said, but not that exact bit. <laughs> I, I didn't even quite understand. I don't mind if you go to your community groups on a Tuesday night and it's like, do you know what? When Ben said that on a Sunday, like I sort of got that and I sort of got that, but I didn't quite understand that and I'm not quite sure what I think about that. And then to have a discussion and to have a debate, I'm absolutely fine with that, but I want to, and I long that we would be a community that just goes deep that takes the Bible really seriously, but we do it in the power of the Spirit. You see, if you just take the Bible, but you don't do it in the power of the Spirit, you will dry up because it can become very intellectual. If you just take the Holy Spirit and you ignore the Word of God in the Bible, you will blow up. Ministries blow up because what happens is, as 1 Corinthians 13 says, in the power of the Spirit right now, we see as through a glass darkly. That's an old English translation. But what it basically means is that like in my house, it's so old in my house, it has like a stained glass window in one of the rooms. And, and when you look through the stained glass window, it's, it's a little bit hazy. It's a little bit dark. You can kind of make out what's going on, but you're not quite sure everything. And when, when Paul says, when we minister in the Holy Spirit, right now, we do see through a glass darkly. Which means that, you know, when you come and say, hey, Ben, I think that the Holy Spirit is saying this, Sometimes we'll be bang on, we'll be exactly right, and sometimes, just occasionally, we'll go, I think you had too much cheese before you went to bed, and you had a funny dream, and that's okay, but we put the Word and the Spirit together because the Word provides the foundation for the Spirit, and then what do we have is a church that grows up, not blows up, 
Not a church that dries up, but a church that grows up together. So that's what we want. And if you come on a Sunday, you will see that in our preaching. You will see opportunities to listen to the Word of God. Every Sunday, we're always asking, Holy Spirit, what do you say? In our kids' groups, they will be listening for prophetic words for our kids and for our youth. In our community groups, we always ask the question, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Where has God been at work this week? So they were a Word and Spirit community. The next thing that the church was is that they were, they were a deep community that really feels like a great, a great family. Um, I don't know, have, maybe you've asked this question. I, I certainly asked it a few times in my life. Like, God, like, why did you make a world? Did God make a world because he was just sad and he was lonely and he was on his own in the darkness and he looked down and thought, I need a thing to play with or some people to talk to? Right? Well, that's not what the Bible says at all, right? The, the Bible says that, that God created a world from relationship. That out of the, the relationship of Father, God who is Father, God who is Son, Jesus, and God who is Holy Spirit, who all existed far before there was a world, that God birthed a world out of creativity. That when God looked down, he, he had the overflow of love. Not a needing a world, but like maybe some of you who are parents or some of you who long to be parents one day. You have that desire to create, to pass on to another. And so out, it's out of that desire that God created Adam and the, fir- and the world. And he didn't say to Adam, hey man, you know, I love you. It's going to be you and, uh, and me and that's it. In fact, what God said to Adam is, hey Adam, it's not good that you are alone. You shouldn't be alone. And so God creates Eve to be a helper. And there is this sense of family. When God chooses Abraham, he doesn't say, Abraham, right man, you're, you're the dude. You're going to be like the head of this Judeo, then Christian religion. He says, no, you're going to be the father of many nations. And there's this wonderful, beautiful sense of the chosen people, the families of God together. When Jesus comes to earth, it's not that Jesus just kind of like hangs out as a, like a monk who lives on his own in a cave somewhere and occasionally comes out and teaches these people something. No, Jesus lives in community. Jesus has his best friend. Jesus has his chosen three. He has like the 12. He has the 72. Jesus parties in the most beautiful, miraculous parties. Jesus laughs and lives. Jesus weeps, mourns, and cries when he loses things. There's always this beautiful sense of community which comes in the kingdom of God. And when Jesus is, is on earth, one of the last recorded prayers that Jesus ever prays um, is actually for the church. He prayed for you, and he, and he prayed for me. Uh, in John chapter 17, and I was talking to a pastor the other day, and he said, man, I've, I've read this, this passage my whole life, and I've completely missed what it says. In fact, I read a book the other day which spoke about this passage that seemed to completely not understand what this passage says at all. So let me just read for you John chapter 17, 21 to 23. This is Jesus says he prays for all believers. So he prays for the church. I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Jesus prays that we would have a same relationships with each other, which are as close as the relationships between God the Father and God the Son. 
And if you don't know, that is one of the closest relationships that's ever existed ever. It's so close that theologians get their brains in a complete muddle about like Trinitarian theology, because that's how close that relationship is. He prays that we would be that close together. May they also be in us, so that we're not only just together with each other, but we'd also be together in our relationships with God, so that, and this is so the important bit, right? So that the world may believe that you, God, have sent me Jesus. Did you get it? Right? What, what Jesus is praying is that the church would have a oneness about it. That brothers and sisters in Christ would have a oneness about their relationships with one another and with God himself so that the world would know who Jesus is. How does the world know who Jesus is? Because the church is one. Because the church has great relationships with one another. Because the church has a unity about it. It goes on in verse 22. I have given them, Jesus says, I've given to the church the glory that you gave me. I've given the power, the authority, the filling of the Holy Spirit that you gave to me that they may be one as we are one. Why did God give us the Holy Spirit? Why did God give us power and authority? So that we would have unity. And he then goes on in verse 23. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them just as you loved me. How is the world going to know who Jesus is? Is it through the fantastic preaching of the English preacher who has a strange accent? Is it through great V kids ministry, great V youth ministry? Is it great through street evangelism? Is it through the Alpha course? Is it through, I don't know, great marketing and publicity? No. The world will know who Jesus is by the very love that the church has for each other. Right? If you want to look out the world and say, why are people not going to church? Why do people not love Jesus anymore? Is it because we're not preaching this or is it not because of that? Well, I'm sure those things are part of it, but ultimately what Jesus tells us is that the very heart of it is that the church has to love one another. There has to be a love in the church. And if there isn't a love in the church, if there isn't a love between churches, if there isn't a love across the body of Christ across the globe, then we can have no complaints that the world doesn't want to know anything about Jesus. Because the way that they get a glimpse of who Jesus is by the way that the church loves each other, right? And let's be really honest, across the last 2,000 years, the church has been generally quite terrible at this. We have not done well. We have found it very, very difficult to love one another. And, you know, if we think even about the last couple of years, it's been really hard. Christians have been well publicized and they're falling out with one another. And it breaks my heart when I see that. Because I think, how are people going to know about Jesus if we can't love one another? Instead, what do you see is this. When the Holy Spirit fills a group of people, they become a church that has these deep, loving, preferring each other kinds of relationships. In Galatians chapter 5, it says the fruit of the Spirit looks like this. The outworking of the Spirit. If you want to know what a Holy Spirit-filled person looks like, it looks like this. Peace. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You want to find a spirit-filled community? That's what a spirit-filled community looks like. And in verse 44, it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. That word uh, common actually is the word kanonia, which is the same word we use for fellowship. It means they had a unity. They had a preferring and serving of one another, which was deeply powerful that the world was transformed by. You know, this early church were not just a bunch of nice people having a relationship with God. 
They were a bunch of people whose relationship with God was healed, but also their relationships with each other were healed as well, and that they transformed the world around it. Right? That's what they were. You know, when I first got to LA, I, I just had so many questions for the Lord. I was like, God, why, you know, what do you want to see and what do you want to call into being? And, and one of the things I, I felt the Lord say was that LA, and not just LA, many cities around the world, is, it's a deeply lonely place. You know, that there are so many, particularly young people, who are just deeply lonely and isolated here. And I felt like the Lord say, you know, be family to the people who don't have family. And, and I still believe that that is absolutely the case. In fact, I felt the Lord say that before we even had COVID. And, you know, in COVID, it's been really hard for people. I just read some stats this week. You know, during the pandemic, four out of 10 adults in the US have reported symptoms of anxiety or depression. If you take that down to 18 to 24 year olds, that number rises to 56%. So over half of all young adults in America have reported symptoms of anxiety or depression during the pandemic. Um, in June 2020, a study found that 13% of adults reported new or increased substance abuse during, uh, because of COVID-related stress. And 11%, so one in 10 people in the United States reported having thoughts of suicide in the last month. Like, just get your brain around that number. One in 10 people had suicidal thoughts this time last year. That is crazy. The church is called to model a love that does not exist outside of the church, where people are isolated, where people are lost, where people are lonely. This is the mechanism. This is the place where people are supposed to find love and acceptance and community. And that's why you know, we're big on it here. I said about community groups, and every week I bore you, because I'm like, get in a community group. And the reason I say it is because this is a mechanism by which we find community where we love one another. It's the reason I go on about like Alpha, one of them, because I'm like, hey, this is a place where people can find answers and community. It's why I go, hey, serve on a team, because partly I want the church has to get done, but partly because that's how we build relationships with each other. So they were a community that was deep, that felt like a great family. And then finally this, uh, the first ever community was a community that were on mission together, that were on loving mission. I, I know you know this, but God has a mission on the earth. Theologians call it the missio dei, what God wants to see happen on the earth. And at the top of the list always for what God wants to happen on the earth is very simple, is that God wants to see people come back into relationship with him. That God wants to draw people who are lost and broken and outside of relationship with him and are heading for an eternal destiny without him into his family again. We call it salvation. In verse 47, we read about that in, in the passage today. It says this, the Lord added to the number daily those who are being saved. Now that's a little sentence, but just, just get your head around it a minute, okay? What happened? the Lord did something. So who brings people into relationship with, with God? Again, not you, not me, ultimately, God does it. Right? You can't save anyone. I know you know that. I mean, you look great and you're really smart, but you can't save anyone. You get to be part of the process. Peter got to be part of the process for 3,000 people's lives. You get to play a part, but the Lord did it. What did he do? He added to the church through salvation. 
So when salvation happens, it's not just a ticket to heaven, it's actually to bring people into the community of Christ. It's to bring people into the life of churches. That's, what, that's part of the salvation process. And it's to save people. It's to literally take people from death to life. It's literally to take people out of darkness. I think we live in a world which Christianity gets seen as this sort of like nice sprinkling of something on top of your nice already life. Some sort of like Eastern mythology kind of idea. Christianity is nothing like that. Christianity is about taking people from death to life. It is about salvation. It is about the fact that without Jesus, we are completely screwed now and forever. But in Jesus, we can have eternal life, eternal future, free of all pain and suffering and those kind of things when we get to heaven. And the Lord did it daily. That's what the early church looked like. And that, wouldn't that be amazing? I heard three stories recently in our community. I heard about uh, some, a lady who, who gave their life to Christ just a few weeks before they died. They'd not been a Christian. They became a Christian just before they died, led to, to Christ by their own grandson. I thought it was amazing. I heard another story of someone who led someone else to Christ over a dinner conversation, a lunch conversation. And I heard a story of someone who came to faith through the last Alpha course. Like, just amazing. Wouldn't that be amazing if that happened daily? Like, I would love to be part of a community. But also just notice what else that we see about this missional community. It wasn't just that they proclaimed faith. They did proclaim faith. But the mission of God also took them further than that too. It says in verse 45 that nobody had any need. It said that they sold their possessions. You see, one day we, we promise that we're going to get a future kingdom that's going to be free of pain, free of suffering, free of need. But Jesus also said that the kingdom has come now, and so the work of the church is to see God's kingdom come on earth now as it will one day be fully in heaven, which means that the things that are true of heaven one day, the church works for and prays for right now. That's what we do. So when the early church saw this, what did they do? It made they look like, wow, well, in that case, there's no need in heaven. We have to love one another so that there's no need here, they literally sold their possessions and their houses and their fields to make sure that nobody in, the, in, in around them had need. You know, I first came to, to Pasadena, one of the other things I wrote on my wall was, how are the poor going to win out of vintage Pasadena? And I'm still trying to like, ask that question every single day of my life, and I'm still trying to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us in that. But when the church is full of the Holy Spirit, the final marker of the church is that it bursts out into the world around it that it transforms the world around it, that there can be no need when the church takes up the mantle because the kingdom of God comes in the communities around it. You know, I, I'm asking all the question at the time, right? Lord, how do we be a church that isn't just this? <laughs> this is great. But how do we in our community groups transform our school? How do we transform our businesses? How do we transform the streets that we live on? How do we transform our neighborhoods? Because ultimately, we want every single person to have an opportunity to know Jesus for themselves, and we want them to experience the love of Christ as we love as Christ has loved us. The church in the early church did not just preach the good news, but it was the good news. You know, when the early church, uh, they, had, they experienced these massive pandemics, that happened many times in the first few hundred years after Jesus was on earth. 
And what historians tell us, not even Christian ones, is that actually it was the Christians who stayed in the places of need. When all the other people and the wealthy people, they headed off to like the hills and got out of these places of pandemic, the Christians were the ones who stayed and started hospitals and orphanages and schools. And so when the other people came back to the cities after the pandemics were over, it was the Christians who were right at the heart of the community life forming up organizations and care places and places of relationships and love. And lots of historians will say that is one of the primary reasons the church exploded in those first few hundred years after Christ. So the early church was a church of word and spirit. It was a church that felt like loving community, like a great family. It was a church that was on mission together. And I would, I would love that to be true of us, right? Would you love to be part of a church that looks like that? I would love to be part of a church like that. I long that we would do that together in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and I believe that if we could be that kind of community, that the streets around here, the streets around where you live, would not help but be transformed by the love of Jesus. And I know that's hard. I know it's challenging. I know everything that we've gone through in the world around us is, you know, just bends our brains. But I believe this is God's mandate and call for our church and for all churches. And so I want to pray. And then we're going to be united um, around uh, God's table as we take communion. But let's just take a moment of silence just to reflect and hear and listen to God's voice in the power of the Holy Spirit for a few moments. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We know you're already here. We know that even if two people gather in your name, that you're here. And we know that right now you're here. And so Holy Spirit, we, we long to hear from you right now. Just where we are, why don't we, if you feel comfortable, you might want to put your hands out and just welcome the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning. It may be that you just hear a word, that a little picture comes into your mind. Might be a, a passage of scripture. Might even just be a feeling, actually. And it's not weird, it's totally normal if you've never experienced anything like that before, but this can be how the Lord speaks. More of you, Lord. More of you, Holy Spirit.
as the prayer team were praying before the service, they just had a few words which might be for one or more of us who are here today. First is what 